Welcome to the Dark Whales Tours podcast. On this podcast, we will explore the vast history of whales, looking at the myths, legends and ghosts of this magical and mystical country. Wales has been the heart of Britain's supernatural beliefs for many centuries. And in this special episode, we will be looking at the many different and sometimes unique customs and traditions that are practiced in Wales during the Christmas period. Some were once widespread, but now only practiced in rural communities. Others are still practiced throughout this mystical country of Wales. We will also look at the evolution of this ancient celebration, from its roots as a winter festival to the celebration of Jesus' birth. There is one custom that seems to be exclusive to Wales, especially South Wales. This tradition was once practiced all over the country, but now has been reduced to small villages and has also been reenacted at St. Fagan's National Museum of History during their Christmas night events in previous years. The custom is known as the Mary Lloyd, which translates as the Grey Mare. Much like the Hoch de Gwitter of Nosgallengerth, the Mary Lloyd was a man dressed in a sheet, in this case a white sheet. He would be holding a decorated horse's skull on a pole, which he would use to make the jaws snap. The Mary Lloyd would be led around the village by a party of men dressed up in their various different roles, leader, sergeant, corporal and merryman. They would select a house in the village and attempt to gain entry by singing several verses in Welsh. After each verse, the people inside the house would reply with a verse of their own, in a sort of poetry battle would break out. This would continue until the Mary Lloyd was allowed to enter the house. Upon entering the house, the Mary would chase the girls inside and snap at them. The whole party would be treated to food and drink before moving on to the next house. If you check out our Instagram page, there is a video of the Mary Lloyd being performed at St. Fagan's from a few years back. There is another version of this custom, one that was less outwardly gruesome. This was known as the Wren House. Instead of a horse's head, a group of four men would be carrying a decorated box that would house a wren inside. The group would go door to door and again would try to gain entry by singing in Welsh. This custom has again been performed in St. Fagans, but without the wren inside of course, and can also be seen being performed at Carrow Cross. The origin of these strange customs seems to derive from the tradition of wassailing. Wassailing is an ancient custom named after an Anglo-Saxon phrase which translates as good health. There are two forms of wassailing, house visiting and orchard visiting. The house visiting version is the most recognizable as it involves going door to door, singing songs, offering a drink from a special bowl known as the wassail bowl in exchange for other gifts from the homeowner. Orchard visiting was the act of going into the orchard and singing spells and incantations to encourage the growth of the apples in the coming year, 
in order to be able to produce a good quantity of cider. A custom that is still observed, though not as common as it once was, is that of the Yule Log. Nowadays more commonly associated with the dessert of the same name, but once this was a serious form of winter protection. During the several days of celebrating, prolonged warmth was needed. The Yule Log was a large log that was placed at the back of the hearth so it would continually burn throughout the celebrations. This tradition can be traced to the Celtic peoples, who believed that the sun stood still during the twelve days around the winter solstice, and if they kept the log burning, then the sun would be encouraged to return. However, if the log was allowed to go out, then bad luck would befall the household or the entire village. The tradition of plaguing is still practiced throughout Wales. This is a Welsh language carol service performed between 3am and 6am on Christmas morning. The carols that are sung are very different to English carols in that they speak of the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ as well as his birth. The Plygain service came about after the Reformation, when Henry VIII split from Rome and the country became largely Protestant. This was a way to replace Midnight Mass, but still have a church service at night. These services are still performed in areas of Wales to this very day, even though in the rest of the country it suffered a decline during the 19th century as the authorities of the time were trying to stamp out the Welsh language altogether, as well as the shift of focus of Christmas time to being about the family instead of the community. Different places would have different customs, for example. In rural communities, they would decorate the farmhouse with winter foliage such as holly or mistletoe. In 1774, in Dufferin Cloyd, it is recorded that they lit the candles at 2am and sang and danced to harp music until the dawn service. In towns or more populated areas, such as Tembe for example, crowds started the evening with the torchlit procession and the young men of the town would escort the local priest from his house to the church, while the rest of the procession sang and blew cow horns. The evening before Plygain was known in some places as Nosangiflaith, or Toffee Evening. Toffee would be boiled in pans on open fires and dollops of it would be dropped into icy cold water. The taffy that was created would be curled in shapes resembling letters. Being ever superstitious, it was said that these letters symbolised the names of the people who would die in the coming year. Another tradition that has become more popular in modern times is the tradition of the early morning Christmas Day swim. These early morning winter swims have become popularised in the modern day and are attended by dozens of people every year at various lakes and beaches throughout the country. Here in Wales, famous spots include Pothcall Beach near Skay House, which has been mentioned in a previous episode. Having a dip in the freezing cold waters of the Bristol Channel is certainly a unique way to start your Christmas day. Even the day after Christmas Day was celebrated in a unique way here in Wales. 
The morning after Christmas Day, the day we now know as Boxing Day, a tradition grew up that was called holly beating or homing. Young men and boys would beat the unprotected arms of young ladies with holly branches until they bled. In some areas it was the legs that were beaten, in others it was the custom for the last person to get out of bed in the morning to be beaten with sprigs of holly. This strange practice died out during the 19th century, which of course is good news for anyone who likes to have a lie-in on a Boxing Day morning. As we have seen, some customs were just practiced in certain villages, while others had different variations throughout Wales. This was encouraged as it reinforced the sense of community spirit and value. All of this though went into decline, mainly thanks to the emergence during the Victorian age of a national British Christmas culture, which was based on buying presents, giving cards, having a family dinner and of course decorating Christmas trees, an idea and custom that was made popular in Britain thanks to Prince Albert and Queen Victoria. However, it was actually Queen Charlotte, wife of George III in the 1790s that originally brought the idea over from Germany. The shift from the community to the family was also part of the resurgence of Christmas and the refocus on Christmas spirit thanks to the publication of A Christmas Carol in 1843 by Charles Dickens. Ghost stories at Christmas have become synonymous with many cultures where we would gather around a roaring fireplace and regale each other with stories of the unknown and the supernatural. This became a yearly tradition in King's College, Cambridge, as a professor there would gather the students in his study and tell them ghost stories that he would write for them. This professor was M.R. James and his ghost stories became so famous that starting in the 1970s, the BBC decided to turn them into mini-films and show them on Christmas Eve night. Classics like Lost Hearts and Martin's Close became a staple for many a household on Christmas Eve, and I myself personally enjoy indulging in a tale of the unknown during the closing hours of Christmas Eve. M.R. James's stories created a new, distinct way of storytelling, and most followed the same style. A naive gentleman comes to a small, quaint English village or a grand house where they discover an object which disturbs a restless spirit, and the protagonist is then victim of a haunting that leaves them questioning their whole belief system. Christmas ghost stories are a way to remind us that all the little rituals and traditions we have around this time of year were once very serious and offered our ancestors protection against any unwanted visitors from the spirit world. But as we have seen, things have changed and evolved a lot over the ages and the festival was becoming seen as a symbol of Britishness. This, however, was seen in Wales as undermining the Welsh language and Welsh culture. So in the early 20th century, there was a drive to find and revive some of these old Welsh traditions in order to keep them alive. A feat which has been done perfectly by St Fagan's National Museum of History 
As I previously mentioned, over the years, Christmas events often showcased a variety of crafts, music and Welsh carols. This time of year has been celebrated by nearly all cultures from across the world. The Romans held a festival called Saturnalia. This lasted from the 17th of December to the 24th of December. This was a time where the ordinary rules of society did not apply. Men would dress as women, masters would dress as servants, the houses would be decorated and they would hold processions around the town. They would also give out gifts to each other, a tradition of course which is still going strong. The Persians celebrated the festival of Yalda, which fell on the last day of the Persian month of Azar. This was seen as the birthday of the sun god Mithra and commemorated as the triumph of light over darkness. Families would come together and eat a special feast which included nuts and pomegranates. Even the Incas celebrated the winter solstice though their celebrations occurred in June, as that is the winter time in the Southern Hemisphere. The Incas celebrated the festival of Inti Raime, which honoured the Sun God. Feasts would be held and sacrifices would be made. The sacrifices would be either animals or in some accounts, children. When the Spanish conquered the Incas, they banned this festival. However, in the 20th century, it was revived and is still celebrated to this very day. But, of course, with pretend sacrifices only. A common theme of all these different festivals from around the world is the celebration of the previous year and the preparation of the dark months ahead. The idea of honouring sun gods or the bringers of light is also common throughout the world. It was this idea that led to Pope Julius I in the 4th century to decree that the birth of Jesus would be celebrated on the 25th of December to coincide with the already existing solstice celebrations throughout Europe. It was believed that this was the best way to Christianize the Celtic people of Europe. They could still celebrate their sacred holidays, but now they would be worshipping and honouring Christian saints and Jesus himself. Today the personification of this season in the Western world is of course Father Christmas, otherwise known as Santa Claus. The image of this most beloved figure with his red coat and white beard was popularized in the 19th century by American card makers. However, the image also harks back to pre-Christian times as his Slabian Pulber reindeer was taken from Scandinavian mythology. The name Santa Claus, which is the name popular in America, comes from the Dutch for Saint Nicholas, Sinterklaas. Saint Nicholas was the Bishop of Myra, which is in modern-day Turkey. The historical Saint Nicholas was neither big nor jolly. It is said that he came from a family of wealthy Christians. But Nicholas was very charitable and liked to give his money away. A famous story goes that there was a local man who lost his fortune to Satan and therefore had no money to provide a dowry for his three daughters. This meant that no man would marry them and they would have to resort to prostitution to earn a living. 
Nicholas heard of this and in the dead of night threw a bag of gold coins through the window of the daughter's bedroom. He did this over three consecutive nights, so each of the girls had her own dowry. In some versions of the story, the father of the girls found out it was Nicholas and fell to his knees in gratitude and promised to repay him. Nicholas said that he did not need anything in return and the father should not reveal where the gold had come from. Thus, the tale of the secret gift giver was born. There is also a story that Nicholas was on board a ship on his way to the Holy Land when a great storm appeared and endangered the ship. Nicholas calmed the waves and saved the ship from ruin. This story was used in early Greek Christianity, which has given some the theory that Saint Nicholas is a Christianized version of Poseidon, the god of the sea. Whether or not these stories are true, no one knows for certain. The very existence of Saint Nicholas is disputed as there is no contemporary account of his life. There is, however, a Nicholas of Myra mentioned in the list of attendees at the Council of Nicaea, whose job it was to decide what days would be holy, who would govern the bishops, and what was the true relationship between God and Jesus. Whether or not this is the Saint Nicholas who inspired Santa Claus, again, nobody knows for certain. However, when Protestantism started to spread, the idea of saints and their miracles started to fade away. However, Protestants liked the idea of giving secret gifts to their children. So they told the children that the baby Jesus delivered them with the aid of rude claws or rough Nicholas. It was rough Nicholas's job to punish the naughty children while the baby Jesus would give gifts to the good children. The idea of having an enforcer to give out the punishments to naughty children has endured in parts of Europe, though rough Nicholas has been replaced with a legendary Krampus. Krampus is a horned, devil-looking figure that seeks out the naughty children and punishes them for their behaviour, either by whipping them or taking them away, depending on how naughty they have been. The night in which Krampus would be unleashed was given the name Krampusnacht in Germany. This is observed on the night of the 5th of December, the night before the Feast of St. Nicholas on the 6th of December. The idea of Krampus has even found its way across the Atlantic to America, where celebrations of Krampus are growing in popularity. Krampusnacht has become a night where young adults can dress up and get up to mischief, much like Halloween. In 2019, for example, there were reports of drunken and disorderly Krampuses throughout Austria, scaring, chasing and even beating spectators with their whips, perhaps taking the celebration to the extreme. This demonstrates how traditions and customs that are kept alive and evolve over time can become so important to the people that they are willing to put up with a bit of disorder in order to keep the traditions going. This was tested as there was a time when celebrating Christmas in Britain in any form was illegal and could result in a fine or imprisonment. In 1647, Christmas, with all its traditions and customs, was banned in England 
by the Puritan government led by Oliver Cromwell. The reason behind this was down to the Puritan belief that since the date of Jesus' birth is not given in the Bible, Christmas was deemed too closely linked to paganism and the winter solstice celebrations had little to do with Christianity. They instead replaced it with the day of fasting. Protests followed as pro-Christmas rioting broke out in several cities and for weeks Canterbury, for example, was controlled by the rioters who decorated doorways with holly. Parliament did not relent and the ban was upheld. It only came to an end with the restoration of the monarchy in 1660 when King Charles II restored the much-loved celebration. Since then, Christmas celebrations in Britain have continued to grow. Villages, towns and cities all put up Christmas lights. We decorate our houses, we put presents under the trees and we sing carols. Christmas remains a time to forget about the long, cold, dark days ahead and to celebrate with your family and friends. A way to celebrate the end of the year with joy and light. This time of year has become more than celebrating the birth of Jesus or sun gods. It has become a time where there is an abundance of peace on earth and goodwill to all men. A time where even the most miserable misers open their hearts and look upon their fellow man as an equal. It reminds all of us that even in the most darkest of times there is always a little light at the end of the tunnel. Christmas is about coming together. It is about spending time with your family and loved ones whatever way you can to spread some peace and some happiness at this time of year. Even though throughout history we have seen Christmas evolve in many ways and even seen attempts made to eradicate this festival altogether. The spirit of the people has endured and it is the perfect time of year to come together, to put our differences aside and celebrate in a way that is special to ourselves. But remember, there is a darker side to this time of year also, as Charles Dickens has perfectly shown us. And remember, as you gather around the fire this Christmas, if you have not been particularly jovial to your fellow man this year, the scratching on the roof and the sound of movement coming down the chimney may not, in fact, be Santa Claus. If you have your own traditions and celebrations at this time of year, we'd love to hear them. If you have your own story on this or any of the other topics in our podcasts, please email us on darkwales at hotmail.com. Thank you for joining us for this Christmas episode of the Dark Wales Tours podcast. Please be sure to visit us on www.darkwalestours.co.uk and also check out our Instagram, Facebook and Twitter feeds for news on the tours that we conduct in various locations around Wales and also news of more episodes of this podcast. Please be sure to listen to the other episodes of this podcast with the next episode due to air on the 10th of January 2021. Until next time, Nadolig Flawan, Merry Christmas, and of course, Diorchen Vaur, thank you very much. 
The Dark Wheels Tours podcast is produced and delivered by Matthew Rose and Luke Alcock, owners of Dark Wheels Tours.